Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. It's like when you buy an expensive refrigerator, you got that thing for a long period of time. It's different than buying dinner. It's different than buying an outfit. Am I no, making and, and sense? This is one of those frustrating things where everyone wants it a slightly different way, and they let which you, you can do. They that. let you pinpoint the color, the toasted level of what you're going to have, and you're not going to be stuck there doing the double toast to try. I'm and get thinking it. of quitting PTI and opening up a Revolution <laughs> franchise. I could just see <laughs> getting on the Northeast Quarter train like Willie Loman and just going up and down with toasters in a bag. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Okay, sale number one. Who bought the Revolution toaster as soon as we got off the air? Nigel did. Yeah. That's right. Welcome to the revolution, Comrade Kornheiser. Yeah. I am with you. And you got a, you got a deal on it, apparently. Yeah, I got it for about, uh, about $20 less. It's about two seventy nine. Did you use the code? I did use the code. We yes. have no code yet. <laughs> we, should, we should start selling these things and we should have a code. Attention must be paid. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of product that we get, um, I've now gotten Orifor's wine glasses. They're lovely wine glasses. Yeah, you'll break those pretty quickly. <laughs> Says, Mr. Tony, thanks for mentioning Orifor's on your show Friday. Please enjoy these wine glasses. Thanks, Mark Bove. Um, so I got eight wine glasses now. I mean, uh, now I, I am so... <laughs> Flush in wine glasses. It's unbelievable. I ought to open up a wine glass store. Thank you to Orifors, obviously. That's very, very kind. That Swedish product, it's actually very, very good. I'd heard about that as well. Uh, quickly to some things. Um, Nats made a big move over the weekend. Yeah, the Nats. So you like Schwarber in the leadoff spot? I do. Schwarber's got about 14 home runs as a leadoff hitter at the moment. Certainly doesn't have the speed you'd want to see. He had three home runs yesterday. No, he has no speed. He can't run the the trot. Yeah, (laughs) once you hit it out, it's easy. Uh, So they they won three out of four from the Mets. So they pick up two games on the Mets. The Mets lead shrinks overall in the division from six to four. Is it four games up now? I think and every two game series against the Phillies. Yeah, everybody Wednesday. is bunched in. You know, the four teams behind the Mets are bunched in. They're all within two games of each other. So that was nice to see. And even even Brad Hand, although he made me insane, even though Brad Hand does make me insane, he won a couple of games, which was nice. I mean, he saved a couple of games. Um, I played golf a couple of times over the weekend. Again, I've said this before, an honor and a privilege to play with Marty West, and I played with Marty yesterday. I started out par birdie. Ooh. Par birdie. That's amazing. Then I regressed to the mean <laughs> and shot 91 or 92, but I was seven after the first two holes, and Marty threatened to call up the handicap committee <laughs> to stop having to give me all these dots. But by the end, he understood that I you get You still have dots. a handicap you haven't posted in about two years. I don't, I don't know. It's about 20. But you know, even on the golds, about 18. But I, you know, I, did, I did pretty well. Marty shot below his age, as he does. It was, he was wonderful. He shot 70 fooling around with me and Arch and Bud Giblin, which was nice. The day before, I was in this tournament, the Centennial Tournament, because 100 years ago... 1921. 100 years ago, Columbia hosted the U.S. Open. And Bob Jones played in that U.S. Yeah, Open. Yeah, was he doing the bum and gouge back then? I don't think Bobby Jones was doing that at all, no. <laughs> and and it is said that the, the inspiration for number 12 at Augusta is number 16 at Columbia. Anyway, uh, Jimmy Crilly and I played together. It was an event. It was a best ball, gross best ball net. We were awful. We played with Arch Campbell and Roy Neal. We had a very good time, but we were terrible. Jimmy and I were terrible. At one hole, at number 12, which is the second and last par five, we both got eight. Oof. We both got eight. I mean, you know, we didn't, we were so bad. Our, our net was like seven over par, which is, well, that's hard to get it's to. It's just terrible. It's just terrible. Our gross was 15 over, whatever it was. And I go to play yesterday, and Greg Lecker is laughing at me, and he says, Wait till you hear this. You won't believe it. And I go, What is it? And he goes, You're, uh, you're in your flight. You finished fourth in low gross in your flight. I said, well, there could only be four teams in the flight then because we were that bad. We were that terrible. And it's possible we got shop credit. Hey. It's possible. we. I don't think so. But we were just, Jimmy and I were, t- we had a wonderful time because I love playing with Jimmy and he loves playing with me. But we were really but bad. It was played under U.S. Open conditions. No, not from the gold. No, no. So, um, so I played golf and I was happy. I walked yesterday and it was hot yesterday. Mm. And I'm feeling the pain of that today. Yesterday was Father's Day. I have told this story 
uh, that Michael said to me, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> you have tea times. I said, yes, it's on Father's Day. And, but you, you know, I apologized profusely. Just because I knew that was going to be my one path to getting to play myself. Can we get to your you know, delirious Father's Day surprise? Yes, though? this is what I want to get to, and then we'll let you talk a little bit about the U.S. Open. So I play, and I get back to the house around 2 o'clock, and I take the dog out. And I take the dog for a walk, a regular walk. And as I'm coming back in to the house, the dog is beginning to act crazy. The dog goes running into the house and sniffs around on the couch, like puts her head down on the floor in front of the couch and is clearly agitated. And Carol is sitting in a seat and I go, what is the deal with the dog? The dog is acting crazy. Is there a varmint in the house? Is there a muskrat in the Is the dog smell something? Oh, the flying squirrels again. You know, what is going on? Uh, yeah. What is going on with this crazy dog? And Carol just looks at me, and then I turn around, and my daughter is here. <laughs> and it is the greatest Father's Day present I've ever gotten. I haven't seen her in many, many months. She drove down on her own. I had absolutely no idea and it was completely and utterly thrilling for me. And I was so happy, you know, and then she cooked dinner last night and all of that. And it was great. And and you knew. We got the text you early knew. in the morning and we were already planning to come over uh, yesterday afternoon to celebrate with you when you finished your selfish Father's Day on the golf. <laughs> uh, and I knew, I knew something was... I, one, when I heard about the surprise, I was worried about your health because I, I actually felt a little dizzy because I got to practice yesterday coming off the range. But you just have this wonderful habit when you are just perfectly content, you remove yourself from the room, from the situation, and you just sit by yourself. I do. I do. Makes me very happy when I do that. I can um, only imagine what you wrote in your diary. I wrote, uh, well, I, I wrote that it was the greatest Father's Day gift of all time. I mean, it really was for me. I mean, because it was completely unexpected and, and it was really lovely. And she had driven up in, in this car that I'd never seen before. This is Ron's car. This is a, a Toyota 4Runner. It's got jersey plates. And she said, I thought maybe you'd see the jersey plates and think it was me. And I said, no, honestly, I thought it was at the house that is now vacant. I thought it was people maybe who were moving in or were, were doing site surveys or something. It never occurred, never occurred to me that it was Elizabeth. And, and the dog, um, the dog's acted weird now for like the last 24 hours. The dog is barking all the time. She's very excited, yes. She is excited, but she's afraid. She does, like she doesn't want to go out on walks with me. Because she's afraid when we come back, Elizabeth won't be here. You know, because that's, you know, how, what do dogs know? You know, dogs aren't smarter than your average four-year-old or your average two-year-old. Oh, thank you. Yeah. They're not smarter than it's your average two-year-old. Yes. So it was great for Elizabeth because she got to see the boys. She got to see them, the baby boy Bootsy and the Hammer. And, you know, so it was great. And she had brought, she had brought a replica of her own car which is a Jeep Rubicon, do I have that right, a Jeep Rubicon, and gave that model to Bootsy, who was very excited about this. Bootsy's dealing even with, in the right color. It's Bootsy even is dealing with some birthday confusion. He is so focused on this birthday, and then what comes with the birthday is obviously birthday presents. Yes. And we, we, we do not spoil our boy, but you know you want to make sure he has toys to play with and he's loved and all that, but it's he gets fixated on the smallest thing. So he's been obsessed with yellow Jeeps for the last couple of years because Aunt Liz drives a yellow Jeep. And he, he remembers where the Jeeps are in the neighborhood as we drive to and from school and camp. So he basically clung to this Jeep through dinner time, up until That's his great. bath, and was just he. Oh, he also now hides toys from Henry the Hammer. <laughs> oh, so yes. we have these built-in bookshelves. We build all these uh, these Lego trucks, and he 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 verbalizes what he means. He's like, I want to put this up high because Henry can't reach it. And you go, wow, that that's you're going to some dark places with your little brother, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Uh, you want to talk about the open? Sure. You have a. It's interesting with Mike Davis now leaving his role uh, at the USJ. You have a tournament that seems to be getting its identity back. You have a tough US Open, and Tory Pines through 2008 through the 2021, a course that any of us can get on and play and try and replicate. Public course. That second shot that John Rahm hit, oh, you know, towards that bunker on 18. Tough golf course, asked a lot, and got tougher as the week went on. And you didn't hear people complain about the setup. You didn't get any tricks or gimmicks with different teams. Winner was minus six, low score. And you got there early, and they sort of plateaued. And you saw 
you saw a player who said, I'm going to stick to my strategy, whether it works or doesn't work, in Bryson DeChambeau, and he paid a huge penalty for that. Never seen a collapse like that in the last nine. Never seen anything like that for a guy that was leading. It's different than Greg Norman. It's just way different than Greg Norman. DeChambeau didn't have a chance on some holes. He was he looked disgusted. He looked right? lost. He looked like he, had a, he sort of had a mental lapse. And this is after on the eighth hole. I know we were texting with Nigel about this. He almost jarred a par three. That's right. right. He's, he's Two inches away. A, he's hitting a wedge, so he's able to stop the ball on this plateau. He gets the lead there, and he has 10 holes to play, and you think he could actually create separation post a number. He has to wait on the par five ninth hole. He misses his drive left, can't take advantage of his length, has to lay up, and again, with the wedge in his hand, doesn't give himself the best of birdie looks, and that's the beginning of the undoing. He then makes, he's four over par in a three-hole stretch, including another gettable par five, and you you just looked at the violence of his swing and the way that his foot was twisting off of the ground. His right foot, yeah. And he starts foot. to say, maybe you shouldn't swing so hard, uh, and maybe it's something about the moisture in the air right there on the cliffs, but that strategy seemed to hurt him more than any other player. I was... Um I shouldn't be surprised that Rory gave it up because he does lately. He has for a number of years, but I thought he'd win. I thought he'd win. You thought the timing, maybe with, if he could post a number, the name of Rory McIlroy would mean something because you finish on a par five, one of the easiest finishing holes in U.S. Opens. Yes. And you start to say it's a lot harder if you know you have to do something. And, and we saw that when Rom makes the birdie putt and forces Louis' hand, he's going to have to make an eagle. You're, you're, the, the odds of that are, are very small. But Rory continues to miss these mid-range birdie putts, and they happen to be the exact same putt that you'd expect. For a right-hander, it's a left-to-right breaking putt. And it's so easy to miss it on the low side, which is why it's then so impressive that Rom makes those big curls. 17 and 18. Riders on 17 and 18. Yeah, he wins. I mean, yes, everybody got out of his way. And yes, Louis got out of his way by, you know, putting it in the sticks on the left and he, not being able to do anything with it. But Louis has done that for a number of years. Rom won the tournament. I mean, Rom was. Rom was good. And he could have gone Not to, great, he but could he was have good. Gotten great at even, the end. He could have gotten into an even deeper number. He was missing good-looking birdie putts early on that back nine, but he kept giving himself that chance, uh, the chances. And there's this power of positivity that he has now because he was a pretty, you know volatile, these big moods. He swings. is volatile. And you take a look, and he says to his caddy at one point, if I get two fours and two threes, I think that's going to be the number. And you're looking at, he has to wait on 18. He he gets the right number. He misses his, four. I think it was a four iron from the fairway. In the correct spot, he gets a slightly downhill line. He, he makes the right choice. Play away from the flag, try and make the putt. It would be so easy to go at that flag in the moment, and then you never know, does it roll out a few more feet? Does that actually bring the pond into play? So he was in control of all the emotions, all the shots coming down the stretch. Yeah, it was. It, I watched it like crazy for four days. I mean, I just that's now as a as really a, loved as it. A it you love it when it's when it's Father's Day weekend and it's in California and you can watch it. Yes, till well, it's and, dark. and you just love the story. So John Rom, we obviously know what happened at the memorial. We know that he was yep, the COVID. he was the cover page of Golf Magazine. He was sort of the anointed most likely to win this. This was the the site of his breakout first win when he makes that huge eagle putt from the top tier. He proposed to his wife, you know, on the on the hiking path just there in this whole sort of Torrey Pines natural center. And to me, it's the immediately he's in this pressure moment. And the first thing he does is he puts out his huge fist pump. Again, he's super expressive. He, uh, and he immediately walks off and he and he holds his three and a half month old son. Lovely. And he immediately takes those hands that was just hitting a 330 yard drive peel cut off the 18th fairway. And he's supporting the neck and, and he's hitting that soft bunker shot and he's making those putts. And that to me is just sort of the, the axis that you get in an individual sport that you don't necessarily get when it is something that is a team game. And you just look at how this becomes the life and you see the sort of the who you are as a person comes through in the play and comes through in those real moments that you can't script. And lovely Father's Day. It's a lovely, it's a lovely image to see him go right and right to the kid and all of that. We will take a break. Um, on the show today, we will have both Michael Wilbon and Steve Sands, uh, and they will talk about the open. And then Wilbon, I'm sure, is going to go wild about the basketball. <laughs> so we'll take a break. Come back. Is it is it Wilbon first? Wilbon is next. Wilbon, yes. when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X chair read. Um, I've got the X chair upstairs. It is the chair I now sit in when I do PTI in the attic. It's wonderful. I I've, need a, I need to turn it. My back's hurting. All right, so you you should sit in it and, and get the heat and get the massage. 
get the dynamic variable lumbar DVL support, which offers unbelievable lumbar support to your lower back. And now with the HX, I'm sorry, the X. HM, it's so hard to say these things. They say you have to read them, and I understand you have to read them, but it is hard to say XHMT technology. Michael, you can get the heat and massage therapy while you sit in the chair. While you sit in the chair, um, most people would use this as a desk chair, an office chair. I use it as a TV chair, but you can go up there. Read it again. Try it again. The secret is not only their patented dynamic variable lumbar DVL support, which offers unbelievable lumbar support to your lower back, but now thanks to their XHMT technology, you can also get heat and massage therapy while sitting at the desk. The XHMT delivers heat and massage technology right to your core, helping increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy, all perks that make working from home or the office a joy. I mean, if you got heat there... It makes you happy. You don't yeah. need it in the summer as much as the winter, though. It even has four different massage modes and fast warming heat technology for therapy when you're sore. You won't believe the X-Chair difference until you feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, the word chair, the name tony.com, or call one 844 x chair X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchairtony.com. Now use the code XWheels for free X-Wheel blade casters. xchairtony.com. Don't be stupid. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Andre Mauerman of Robbinsville, New Jersey, who writes, This week my daughter Claire graduates from high school. And because she's grown up with me as our father, she's lived in a world that has always had you on in the background. Whether it was the radio show, the podcast, or PTI, Claire has talked about Mr. Tony for as long as she could even begin to say words. And now 18 years later, she doesn't miss an episode of the podcast, and we will sit down to watch PTI with her dad after dinner. This is her student composition for choir. This is called If You're Really Sorry. Um, she's going to attend the University of Valley Forge in the fall as a music major. How good is this? Great. It's a high school senior. <laughs> How good is this? My God. Michael Wilbon joins us now. There's a lot to talk about. I think we'll start with the golf and, and, and the reason I want to do that is because two things happened that I know must have pleased you very much. DeShambo went to hell in a handbasket, and John Rahm, and John Rahm, who you have picked to win tournaments before, uh, Scottsdale's own transplant, John Rahm, I know he's somebody you like, and I know you watched. What did you think of it all? Well, you know, the U.S. Open is, every, every, every major has its own signature. You know, with the Masters, it's the shot making and the, you know, the the, the incredible putts and chip ins and you know all the shots. And you've been there, of course, Tony, and, and you can hear the cheers from around Augusta National for the for the incredible shots being made. The U.S. Open is a torture chamber, um, and that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to cause misery. That is designed that way. No matter where it's played, it's set up that way. And so, you know, I, when I talk to you, every single player in the field. Guys who won major championships was—they were choking like dogs. Yes. But again, that—it's designed that way. Um, and the, the the rough, the greens, all of it. Um, just how tired you are by the time you get close, start closing in on seventy-two holes. So I love that Deschambeau, who has set himself up. You know, if 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 the king hadn't been taken by LeBron, that's what Deschambeau would call himself. Except he's won one major. Um, so, yeah, that pleased me to no end. Um, and Rom, who, yes, you know I picked Rom to win the, yes. uh, the Masters. Um, I, uh, and, and, and I don't know if I picked him to win the PGA, but, yes, I like Rom. He's a big guy, big, strong, tough guy. Doesn't look like a golfer, looks like a tight end. And, um, I, yeah, yeah, the whole thing made me very happy. Um, it wasn't the typical – first of all, Tony, I'm never home for the U.S. Open. I'm always at the NBA Finals. Right. But we watched – we watched that um, in concert with the NBA, you know, second round, which in, in, in my place, the other storyline involving Phoenix was a much more important storyline than John Rahm in my house yesterday. But 
Um, it was great. I, was, I loved seeing Rom win. Loved it. Yeah. Have you seen him out there? Does he play where you play ever? Um, no, yes. As a matter of fact, I've, I have been on the golf course when people have said, oh, you know, Rom is on, you know, 14. Right. Or, you know, Rom is a member of a club just, a, 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 you know, a couple lights away called Silverleaf. I don't see the member, but he plays mostly there. And um, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's, he's there. He's one of those people who is not a Florida guy. He's an Arizona guy. He went to Arizona yeah. State. Yes. Um, he's, he's Phil's and, guy. He's Phil's guy. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So um, I, that's a, that was a big deal. That was a, I don't know um, if you saw this shot. Towards the end of it, when Rom is out on the range because he thinks it may be a playoff, yeah, Phil is sitting yeah. there in his sunglasses with Rom's wife, <laughs> and it's like you just expect them to start having an aperitif and a cocktail. It was just an amazing, yeah. <laughs> it was an amazing little moment because Phil, Phil is clearly Rom's godfather, and this right, Mike. There's yeah, no doubt yeah. about that. He's his oh, godfather. No, no, no. They're, 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 listen, it's been a, it's been a hell of a golf season for uh, Arizona. I mean, Scottsdale yeah. in particular, you mentioned Phil. Yeah. I mean, it's Phil and Phil and Rom. You know, they're they're at the top of the, and there are other guys like Paul Casey. I mean, you see, you know, you look, Tony, just go to the golf course, you can see major champions uh, anytime there. But right now, I mean, Phil, you know, people, you know, can Phil win back-to-back? No, no, Phil could not win back-to-back. He no. was never going to win back-to-back. So the thing that would give Phil, I would think, the greatest pleasure other than him winning the elusive – that what's going to be the always elusive uh, U.S. Open is Rom winning. So good for them. Yeah. Happy for them. Yeah. That was, that was nice. And it was, a, it was a great television show, and it really o- over a variety of days. And I want to get to the NBA, because something happened in the NBA that is historically stunning. Historically stunning. All four teams that are still alive clinched on an, on an away court. I can't believe this has ever happened before. I mean, you forget about Phoenix because they did it so early, but Phoenix clinched on an away court. And then your boy, my boy too, but your boy especially, Doc lost again and lost at home. Embiid Embiid has numbers but no impact in the fourth quarter. Ben Simmons, God only knows about him. And they lose that game. The Nets lose at home, which you just don't expect to see. You watch the first two games of that series, you don't expect to see it. And the other series, the Clippers win on the road and take the number one seed out without without problem. I don't, I, Mike, maybe this has happened before, but I don't think it has. Do you? Yeah, Tony, I bet it has. I bet when, and it's usually with the superior teams, I bet, I bet you've had times where Boston and the Lakers and the the early Bulls when they were when they finally beat Detroit and they swept Detroit in Detroit. I'll bet you we could find it. It's rare. I'll tell you what's more rare. Everybody who wants to be critical of the NBA, they look at it and say it's predictable. Well, it's always predictable. There's only, well, it's not, only two teams that can win. It's, it's, not it's this entirely one. not predictable. The not teams who are left, the final four teams that are left, that's a stunning development to have. You know, the Suns, who you always say two years of being two years away. They're, yeah. they're, they're no time away right now. Well, it's the um, Suns and no the Hawks have no business being there because they haven't been there in many, many years. And, Mike, you believe this as much as I believe it because we watched it with the Bulls and we've watched it with other teams. And you can't walk in to the playoffs for the first time in eight to ten years and get to the last round. You just, but they did. It doesn't happen. But they, it doesn't they happen, did. and they're the best teams. And look, Tony, Atlanta should be a bigger surprise than Phoenix. Because even yes. though the Suns are a surprise, the Suns have they a guy two. who's they a Hall two. of Fame point guard who we've seen do this in other places. They come up That's short, right. but, but do mostly this. That's right. And um, so you've got, you, you've got that. But Atlanta has, Atlanta has nothing like that. They, they've got a no. coach in Nate McMillan who played and has been on staffs and he's been in important games in his life. People, for, people don't even know. They don't forget. They don't even real, realize it. Nate McMillan was a starter on a, on a finals team in Seattle that had its own disappointments in, before getting to the finals. But, yeah, that dynamic, LeBron. I mean, LeBron got there like in year seven or something, like, like Jordan. So, yeah, maybe LeBron was there five or six. But it, t- it takes a while. And, and the Suns, for the Suns to play that way and have 31 assists, I think, without Chris Paul, it shows that they are actually mastering what he's taught them all year. Now, they can't do this every game, all series. We, you know, whether he'll be back, and I think, and hope he will be on Tuesday, 
Uh, tomorrow night is, you know, yet to be seen. But they're going to need him really in L.A. I think that's where they're going to need him, in, in Los Angeles. Could they win a second game without him? I think they could. Cameron Payne, a guy who is like an NBA exile. He was in the G League. He's, he's rolling out there with 10 dimes. And he has learned all these lessons from being around Chris Paul. And Chris is difficult, man. People think, oh, this is a, a little guy with charming commercials, and he must be fun to play with. And you say that around. No, he's not fun to play Aiden. with. He's awful and to play Aiden with. Has, Aiden has this season. He goes, man, Chris's foot is in my fill-in-the-blank. You know what? And he has, he has the eyebrows up like, this little dude is killing me. Well, that's how they're this because he has killed them all season and told them what they're going to do at what time. And yesterday, without him, as if he was sitting in the audience and he wasn't because he couldn't, they did everything he taught them. How long can they do that? Without him, I don't know. Maybe well, one more can, game, maybe not. Yes, you can do it if Kawhi Leonard doesn't play for the other team because Kawhi Leonard I, is a great, great player. Yeah. So that they cancel each other out. Now, if one gets they back do. before the other... That's an advantage to the team that has the guy back on the floor. I, you know, I'm, I know how much you like the Suns, and I know you know your involvement with Chris Paul, but it's the other side of the country that had the two stunners. It's the other side of the country. Um, Milwaukee was beaten to death in the first two games. They come back and they win on the road, which is unbelievable. And Philadelphia. My God. I mean, my God. You, that's, that is, that's the biggest surprise. Philadelphia losing to Atlanta. That's the biggest surprise, is it not? By the time we got to the playoffs, you could see it could happen. I on the East in October. But Tony, your phone, your phone is not, crackling. Sit in one spot. Your phone is crackling a lot. Well, we can't sit in one spot. We're moving toward Gonzaga. Oh, and you're Gonzaga in a car. College okay. Prep. Taking okay. Matthew to, to basketball camp, but um, okay. th- Tony, can, can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just go ahead. Okay. Just don't worry about it. Um, so they listen. When you have when you're missing two players, I, it's, it's not that big a surprise. I thought Milwaukee could and would come back to win because Kyrie Irving couldn't play at all, and James Harden. Let me tell you something. I disagree with people who say that you know their reputations in KDs are set in stone already. They brought honor to the game. They brought honor to basketball by playing and playing the way they did without taking a minute off. First of all, Kevin Durant brought it from just a performance level. I mean, Kevin Durant's performance level was extraordinary. I, I, I've never seen anything like that twice in three games in the series. But Harden, Harden, I know he was just out there and he couldn't be James Harden, except he did have 22 points, right? Who else in the Nets was going to get them that with Kyrie Irving in a boot? So I, that wasn't a surprise. I mean, I mean, Milwaukee is still unbelievably flawed, and it would not surprise me if Atlanta beat Milwaukee. It wouldn't, because Atlanta's just got this thing where they got the formula and the young players to do this. So I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta reached the NBA Finals. That would be the most surprising entrance into the field of the Finals in many years if Atlanta was to get there. But, I agree but with that. But here, looking at now. But look yeah, at look at right Doc now, for a second. Look yeah. at Doc. Look at Doc. Yeah, feel, feel for him. Oh my yeah. God! <laughs> you know he goes what across the country. Simmons? You know what I would you just... have done with Ben Simmons? Would you have sat him? Mike, uh, whatever he does on defense and whatever he does in playmaking are very very important. But he right. refuses to shoot in the fourth quarter. He's afraid to shoot because he's afraid to get fouled. So I'm sorry, yeah. he's useless. He's useless. And Embiid gasses in the fourth quarter. He has no fourth quarter impact. And you just look at it and you go, how is this possible? All year long, we talk about that team, not as a team of destiny, but certainly you would have said to yourself before the playoffs started, if you said, oh, Philadelphia is going to draw Atlanta to get to the finals in the conference, you go, that's a sweep. You would have said that's a sweep. Right? Yeah. Until, but again, Embiid comes into the playoffs and gets into the playoffs very early on. He's got an injury. He's got a knee injury, right? I yeah, mean, but he plays, he plays 40 well minutes and scores. To, yes. yes. He played yes. He played well enough for them to win. But the Ben Simmons conundrum, Tony, Ben Simmons, I will oh. trade Ben Simmons today. 
I would call the Lakers, who love to take stars, no matter what the condition. I would call the Lakers, and I would start conversations today. I'm not sure I'd get to sundown, because if LeBron is in that mood that he often gets in, where I can, I can play with anybody with talent and win. I mean, let's, that's, let's face it, that's LeBron's mentality on this. That's his ego, and that's the greatness of LeBron, too. I would trade Ben Simmons before sundown. He Here's the thing about he ben goes Simmons. out every summer and he works on his game and he has no he has no impact on the game offensively and you can't be paid thirty five million dollars no. a year and be no. afraid to shoot. You can't. No, that I watched two people become good shooters who were not good shooters in college: Irvin Magic Johnson and Richard yeah. Francis Barry. They were not good shooters in college and they became good shooters. Rick became a great shooter. You can learn this. You can learn to yeah. shoot at the foul line. This kid, I don't get this at all. He's useless song. out there. It has yeah. to be. It has to be. It, all right, enjoy Gonzaga. Emotional. Yeah, it's bad. All right, uh, we have we have weeks off. What are you doing? Are you going to Europe or something? Are you going to have a vacation? I'm you sorry. Going what, what, what topic did we just talk about that I'm paid by the network to cover? Oh, that's right. So you lose your vacation. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. <laughs> That's no, they'll be. Bad. Trust me, I got. I'll be having vacation. You'll be doing a lot of shows without <laughs> me. But um, okay. as I again, I have a project with Chris Paul, as you mentioned, that has to be uh, done. So, so you know, the month of August, I'm going to be doing a Mr. Tony impersonation. Uh, but no, I will. No, I'm, I'll be in Phoenix tomorrow night. Um, we I will be at site. Stephen A. and I and others. We're going right. to be on site all year. People have been in studios. People are coming right. back now. I don't know what Turner's going to do about the Eastern Conference Finals. Usually, Charles, Kenny, Shaq, and Ernie are at their on location. I don't know if they look. Look, they're in Atlanta anyway. They ain't got to go That's far right. to get That's to the right. arena because it's like across the street. But um, you know, the other, the other, the other site. I mean, Milwaukee. I, I'm looking forward to the finals. I'm going to stay in my own bed in Chicago and commute to Milwaukee, which is an hour and fifteen minutes to Amtrak. Again. Another Mr. Tony impersonation. So I'm Amtrak, looking forward baby. to that. But I'm looking forward to the Suns and Clippers. Um, yeah. Looking forward to being there. And, and that's an exciting time there. Nobody there misses Kawhi Leonard, although the Clippers do. And may, I tell you, I have a hard time believing, given how things played out in San Antonio, that what is being reported as a, a, a knee injury, and maybe a serious one, that Kawhi Leonard is going to be back on the court tomorrow night or even I don't know, the first three games of the series. We, well, we will look back on these playoffs. Play. Yeah, we will look back on these playoffs, and they will be the playoffs of injury. They will be the yeah. playoffs of injury. Yes, and um, and uh, maybe Adam Silver will take that into account and not try to play an 82-game season. You know, well, coming out of this. Well, it's Adam Silver. It's the union. The union and the owners. Well, that's right. They all to, want him. And, and they you got to back off. It's not a one-off. It can't be a one-off. This is not a one-off. No, it's though. a warning. This is a yeah, warning is. to the bodies of the players. All right, talk to you later. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. All right, Tom. Michael yeah. Wilbon, boys and girls. We will take a break. Steve Sands will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. Summer begins this month, actually began yesterday. You know what that means. It's time to save on life insurance. That way you'll have a bigger budget for summer things like pool floats and hard seltzers. Between Father's Day and Flag Day and National Yo-Yo Day, the month of June has a lot going on. Thankfully, Policy Genius makes it easy to cross life insurance off your list so you can get back to yo-yoing. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. And why should you compare? Well, you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year, kids, on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and the buying process. Just head to PolicyGenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, and you can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and scheduling for free. Policy Genius never sells your information to other companies. Head to PolicyGenius.com to get started right now. Policy genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes to us from Braden Nelson, who says we are a Charlotte, North Carolina band that hatched two years ago called Deaf 
Andrews. We make melodic rock music along the lines of Incubus, Red Hot Chili Peppers, etc. Incubus, I don't know. Feel free to listen to and use any of our music on the show. We hope you like the music, and we hope you use it. Braden Nelson writes from Def Andrews. This is called Justified. This plays in Steve Sands, who just a few hours back, what is it? What are you reaching for? I was going to take the paper from you if you're done with it. Uh, I know what I'm doing here. Just a few hours ago, Steve Sands had to vamp as the flyover may or may not have gotten over Tory Pines. Um, how did that feel, waiting, waiting to be drowned out by five mil- or four or five military jets? I am all for the military, and I'm all for celebrating the military. But flyovers on live television are brutal. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal, man. Yeah. My goodness. We had rehearsal on Saturday night after the last putt dropped just for that. It's not our deal. It's the USGA's deal with that. We would never in your TV person would ever decide to have a flyover. (laughs) Ever. No. So the USGA wanted to have it. They have the rehearsal. You know, and the one question our director had was, is it going to be on time? (laughs) <laughs> and it never and they is. They promised it would be. It never. No, is. no, they, it never they is. They missed. They missed by a long, long time yesterday. My goodness, was my uh, my earpiece was loud, Tony, as you would know. I would know. Whew. I know how that goes. Uh, so Sands took the red eye home, and we're catching him before he goes to sleep, which is great. I, this is this question is the one question. So much happened yesterday. Right. Not just in the back nine to DeChambeau, but but so much happened yesterday. So many people withdrew themselves from contention. If you had to use one sentence to, you know, to the lead sentence on the story about the U.S. Open, what would the lead sentence be in your mind? Well, the lead sentence would, all, would be that John Rahm became the fourth person in the history of the U.S. Open to birdie the final two holes to win. Mm-hmm. And then I would also, and I'm not a writer. I always wanted to be Tony Kornheiser, but my journalism professors in college told me I couldn't write, so I might want to try television. <laughs> so I, you know, other than the ROM story, to me, Deshambo, McElroy, Morikawa, Brooks Kepko, all were at least yes. three under par, Tony. All of them were at least three under par. Some of them were at four and five under par and completely retreated. So to me, it was a tremendous week and it was an awesome U.S. Open, but it, the true U.S. Open broke out late yesterday. And I thought that was a really cool thing. I thought it was great for the golf course, great for the audience, and I thought it was great golf, even though there was a lot of carnage. It was it was messy out there. Some of those some of those guys are the best players in the world, and it was a mess, man. It, it's very interesting to me that on Saturday, early on Saturday, you had a leaderboard that was eh, it was nothing special. It had Bland yep. on it, it had Henley on it, it had Mackenzie Yuza, and you just say, okay, they're good players, but. But by the fifth hole yesterday, you had one of the great leaderboards I'd ever seen, right? I mean, you had big-time guys yesterday by the fifth hole, and they all, other than Rahm, receded. Now, I know, you know, I think everybody thinks Rahm is worthy and Rahm is going to be a great player. I think Phil, because of the Arizona State connection, Phil loves him and, you know, and all of that. I don't know if he's a great player yet, but he ended great. He ended that thing great, didn't he? Great. And he is a great player, Tony. This is just a culmination of all the things he's accomplished. He's only 26 years of age. Another example of these guys in their 20s coming out and winning big and winning big early. And it's amazing to me how these guys continue to pile these major championships up. Now, to be considered really, really great in the sport. He's doing multiple majors. So Justin Thomas won his early in his 20s. Now he hasn't won one in four years. Jordan Spieth won three of them. Kepka's won four of them. McElroy's won four of them. Uh, Morikawa's got one. Rahm's got one. A lot of young guys are winning these major championships, and that's a good thing for golf. But there's no question that John Rahm is worthy of being a major champion. He is going to win multiple majors. He is a great, great player. And what will be interesting to see is if he can surpass, I think he will pass, Jose Maria Othabel, uh, who won two Masters 
and he might catch Seve, who won five, is the greatest Spaniard of all time. He alluded to Seve yesterday uh, when we chatted with him that first time. So I don't know. I, I think John Rahm is a fabulous, fabulous player, uh, and I think that he is going to win many, many majors, as long as he stays healthy and motivated. Which surprised you more, Rory going backwards or DeChambeau going backwards? Because Rory has oh, gone backwards in the last few yeah. years. So, and, which and surprised you, know, you and more? Look, you and, I text, you and I text each other all yep. weekend about Rory. Yep. Rory told me on Monday or Tuesday, I forget what day we spoke, Tony, about a preview in the U.S. Open, but Rory said, this is a great venue for me. Uh, he does not have to wedge it a lot, uh, and he thinks that it's just perfectly set up for him. And it was. And then he made a horrific shot on the ninth hole. It's a par five, and it was with a wedge. He didn't have to hit a lot of wedges, but when he did hit a wedge, it really halted his momentum. When he hit that ball in the ninth hole above the hole, which meant he had to putt defensively for birdie, which meant he probably had no chance to make it, as opposed to just cozying it up there, which all great players do, and tapping it in from underneath the hole, that changed the arc of his round. Um, but the bigger surprise to me was DeChambeau uh, because of the way he was playing, the the game plan he implemented. He had done so to perfection for him, and then he just fell apart. And I, I think that one of the most fascinating things to me about professional sports, Tony, in all sports, high school sports, college sports, professional sports, pressure is the great equalizer. And when you have a U.S. Open on the line, and you've got the world watching, and you've got a tough golf course coming up, this long stretch of holes, you know, from 11 on that are just brutally difficult until you get to that par 518th. It's just fascinating to watch how these guys handle it, even though they've been in the mix before, Tony. Rory's won four of these things. It's been seven years, though. So now he's starting to think about it. Not that he has ghosts, but he may have a few of them after having gone seven years without winning a major. And DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, by the way, Brooks Kepka, three consecutive majors now, Tony. He's put himself on the first page of the leaderboard late on Sunday and has faltered. It's really hard to win these things. But I think DeChambeau was more surprising because he got to 500 and he was leading by himself than McElroy. But I still think McElroy is the better player of the two. So both of them had chances yesterday, and both of them should have performed better coming down the stretch. All right. So I'm going to interrupt the flow of this to just say with all truth that we just lost power for 30 minutes. I remember the last question about Rory and DeChambeau. We didn't get to DeChambeau because you talked about Rory. So I will go, you know, I will just say the power is restored now and nobody has to worry about it. But let me get to the DeChambeau part of that, Steve, that his collapse was biblical. Like it, it, it was unbelievable. What did you think of that? First of all, do you think that a 30-minute power outage for us to retape the rest of this is anything close to identifying someone's child incorrectly on live national television like we did with Rory on Saturday? When you had Poppy and it was actually Erica and it gave me so much pleasure to text you in the moment, in the moment. Getting a text from Tony, getting a text from the world-famous Tony Kornheiser laughing his ass off at you (laughs) for misidentifying a child. By the way, and the funny thing is is that the Twitterverse, I've never been on social media before, Tony. I mean, I know you're not a social media guy either. No, not at all. So I'm getting all these texts from my buddies, you're getting hammered. I'm like, hammered for what? I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I didn't misidentify them. They told me in the truck, well, we got Poppy up there. It wasn't Poppy. It It was Kai. And Rory is so great. One of the reasons that I've told you, you know, you love him so much, Tony, is because he looks and goes, well, let's see. Unless she started walking since the last time <laughs> I saw her about six hours ago at eight months of age, that's not yeah. Poppy. <laughs> yeah, so it was... Uh, anyway, we digress. That was so, fun. So I DeChambeau tell people this all epic. the time. Yeah, go ahead. let's do DeChambeau. No, no, I mean, no, that's... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, let's do DeChambeau. I mean, that's a biblical collapse no, for a guy that good. No, talk about this nonsense. What are we going to do? You tell people what? All right. Well, I tell people all the time that I love texting my friends in real time. I even texted Sands the day before. I was one of 12 people in America watching on Peacock. Um, and I texted Sands when he was vamping with Faldo and Trevor Immelman. And I said, you know, 
I said dozens of people were watching, and you said you would take the under. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty <laughs> yeah. fun. I got yeah. news for you. We opened the week Thursday morning with a 90-minute 90 90-minute 90 fill because of the fog delay. All right? We can't go to break. Yes. We've got yes. nothing to show you. A 90-minute yap fest before they put the first peg in the ground. We close the week with a 90-second silent fill because the flyover didn't work for the USGA. Right. So it was it was it was bookends on the US Open uh, for us. Anyway, so Bryson DeChambeau, yeah. live TV, man. There's nothing better. Live sports, live TV is the greatest, man. Um, so DeChambeau's, to me, his collapse was worse than Rory's because he put himself in a position where he was leading by one, defending champion, rolling along. He gets up to the par 513th and just makes a mess of the whole hole, and that was the end of Bryson. So he was at five under par, Tony, on the 13th tee, which is a par five. 18's a par five. Six under was the winning score. DeChambeau, not, he didn't blow it. I'm not going to say that. But it was an epic collapse from Bryson. That was bad. John Rahm won the U.S. Open. Bryson didn't yes. lose it. But, wow, did Bryson play poorly coming down the stretch. I know you took the red eye. I know you want to go to sleep. I'm just going to get no, you out of here on not. this. Well, the thing about Louis Oosthuizen, and I texted you about this as well, that was his miss a few weeks ago, left off the drive into the water. It was a gag then when he was playing with Schwartzel. It was a gag yesterday. What do you make? I mean, should we just stop even worrying about him in the future? Well, he now, no, no, you should not, because he'll put himself back in there. His swing is so good. Uh, and it holds up for, you know, 69 or 70 holes. It just doesn't hold up <laughs> for 72, which which really counts. I mean, you've you got to be able to finish. The Sixers couldn't finish. You know, Ben Simmons right. can't That's score right. in the Can't floor. shoot. You, you've got to finish. Yeah, he can't shoot. He sucks. Doesn't uh, want to shoot. He stinks. He sucks, yeah. He's a Leon max player who Leon. doesn't want to score in the yeah. fourth quarter. What? It's, it's remarkable. Get off the court. You suck. Right. If you can't make a free throw or score in the fourth quarter, you are not an elite player, which probably means Leontis is going to trade the whole roster for him, which for is him. just awful. Yes. But anyway, sure. for him. Um, here's the deal with Louie. Louie's like the nicest guy you've ever met in your life, Tony. And he's got that butter swing, and he's put himself in contention so many times. He does have a major. He does yes, British have Open. an open yep. championship at yep. St. Andrews, of all places. Now, he won that in a blowout. So when he's in a tight spot, you know, the screws tend to tighten on that swing of his a little bit more than they should. And it's a shame because I think a lot of people were rooting for him yesterday because he really is a fantastic player. He just doesn't close very well in big spots. He now has the unenviable uh, mantle of being a career Grand Slam runner-up. Yes. He's been a runner-up in yes. all four major championships. And when you make a birdie at the last, at Torrey Pines at the U.S. Open, when you've been leading for the better part of the weekend, and that birdie doesn't matter, that's that's not good. He did not play well from holes, what, 14 to 17, and it took him out of contention again. It's just amazing. That that swing on 17, Tony, was so bad. And his swing is so good. Hand hit it left at 17. Everybody knows that. And it's just a terrible mistake. Gary Koch said it on NBC. It's a mistake that you cannot make at the highest level. And he did. And it cost a, him a chance of the championship. It's a gag. It's a choke. A gag. That's yeah. what it is. A, I mean, a very, you know. A very good friend of mine from high school always says to me, the lump come up. <laughs> the lump come up. It, yeah. There's it, no other way to look at it. You're right. It was a gag. No question. Um, I'll get you out of here on this. And I know you I know you like Rom and, and you've said, you know, he's yeah. going to win multiple majors and, and you know, and maybe that maybe that is true. Uh what do you think of the irony of, of Rom? Now he he made he was gonna make a million eight. If he won the Nicholas yeah. tournament, he made two two yesterday. It's a, right. it's a a it's a better deal. But he would have had you know four million dollars in the last three weeks. What do you think about the irony of him being pulled off the course 
with with the virus and then coming back the next time he could play and doing this? Listen, one of the thrills of my life, Sonny, and I mean this sincerely because you're, you're a friend, but also someone who I've always just admired your profession and your professionalism. You text me all the time and say, that was the right question. That was a great question. Yeah. That was the right question, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The question I thought was most uh, warranted yesterday from him afterwards was, what have the last couple of weeks been like for you after yes. what you went through at the memorial on Saturday? So when he gave that answer of power of positive thinking, didn't blame anybody else, didn't blame anything, any situation. It is what it is. It was what it was. And in professional sports, you have to move forward. I know I'm playing my best. I know I'm going to a venue which I love. And I think I'm giving myself the best opportunity to win by remaining positive. And I think Rom, who's a tough guy, man, he's not warm and fuzzy, man. You know, he's we're hanging out on the range with him while he's waiting for Louie to finish. And he's like looking at us like, get the hell out of here. You know, that kind of stuff <laughs> off camera. And, you know, he's... He's so deserving of that win. The money aside, Tony, I've said this to you before, winning in professional sports, as we saw over the weekend, the Nets couldn't close. The Sixers couldn't close. Louis, Bryson, Rory, Brooks, Kyle Morikawa couldn't close. You know, sports at the highest level, it's really, really hard to finish. The money is inconsequential to John, as, as crazy as that sounds. $2 million to John is not going to make a world of difference to him, not going to make a bit of difference to him because he's going to win $500 million in his career. Winning is what matters. Fred Couples, okay, is in the World Golf Hall of Fame. He has 15 career wins in 31 seasons on the PGA Tour. That's a half a win a year, basically. It's hard to win. So when you get a win taken from you, and Rory said yesterday, John's won two weeks in a row. Let's face yeah. it, he would have won yes. at the Memorial. Yes, so he would have. Forget the money. It's about the victory. And he's not only a deserving champion, Tony, he's the best player in the world right now. Dustin Johnson was number one in the world ranking coming in. But John Rahm's playing the best golf of anybody. And he sure proved it, man. He was money coming down the stretch. He hit good shots. And he hit big putts. He did. A wonderful combination in this sport. All right, go to sleep. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Nap time. I'm going to wake up and listen to your podcast. Is is Wilbon going to be yelling about like the Chicago mayor yelling at the Bears moving out of (laughs) Arlington? Or can we get a preview on that? He's just Wilbon. No, no preview. By the way, your Wilbon, your Wilbon golf text, Tony. Yes. Are spectacular. Wilbon's love and hatred of certain guys on tour hates is the shambo. fabulous. Hates the shim. Hates the shim. Hates the shambo. Get out of here. Go to bed. Steve Sands, boys and girls. We'll take a Good break. Uh, we will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. That was Phil Coleman, who once wrote years back, well, not years back, but a couple of months back, after listening to the flugelhorn jingle from one show in, in April, I was inspired to arrange and perform my own version of Gary's mailbag theme in the form of a multi-track Oktoberfest umpa dance on the euphonium. What's a euphonium, you might be wondering? It's a medium-sized four-valve conical bore tenor-voiced brass instrument, or as the flutist, or flautist, I think, woman to whom I'm related by marriage, tells people, a baby tuba. It's really lovely. Yeah, it is. It's really lovely. Nigel, do the Bethesda Bagel ad. Yes, Bethesda Bagels. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. I'm glad you got your breath back. Yeah, (laughs) he was out with the Comcast people today. A lot of jogging today during the show. That'll just about do it for us. But before we get to the mailbag, let me say I got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, I got the month of May. I guess you'd say, what can make me feel this way? My girl. My girl, my girl. Talking about my girl. The greatest bass line in the history of music, The Temptations, kids. Thanks to our guests, Michael Wilbon and Steve Sands. Thanks to our sponsors, X-Chair Policy Genius. Thanks to Comcast. I sure hope you'll die soon. And remember that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. 
get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. You shut down the entire neighborhood. Just shut it down. Because right, you think that's Well, couldn't they do that overnight? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, That's an on. idea. That's come a on. thought. From Jeremiah in Geneva, New York. I was born in 1976. Consequently, when I was growing up, every new adult to whom I was introduced would hear of my first name, Jeremiah, and immediately make reference to the Three Dog Night song, <laughs> which Jeannie finds so deplorable. Oh, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Each of them would make this comment as if it were original, as if I'd never heard it before. Faking amusement became difficult. I'm with Jeannie. That song stinks. This is when people come up to me and they go, hey, pardon the interruption. They <laughs> get it? Wow. Get it? Wow. Austin in Portland, Maine, a new L.L. Bean catalog came in the mail, and after listening to your rant about articulated knees, I had to look for them myself. I poured over the men's section of the catalog page by page until finally I shouted out, I found them. Since I usually never look in the catalog, my girlfriend gave me a puzzled look, and when I explained it was from your show, all I got was, so I'm guessing you're going to write this in. Yeah, she knows me too well. From Jeff Rickson in Fairfax, Virginia. Last week, I had my first David Aldridge moment after being a longtime listener. You got an email from KO Distilling, Distilling, along with the delivery of some of their bourbons. Yes, you know, bare knuckle bourbons. Yes. When I heard the name KO, my ears perked up and I said, hey, I know those guys. My dad, Greg, works in their tasting room as a bartender and a tour guide. It was awesome to hear his company featured on your show as bourbon is one of my dad's great passions. I know you rarely venture away from the 20015, but if you ever cross the river to Virginia, head down to their Manassas tasting room. I'm sure my dad would be thrilled to teach you about their history and the craft of bourbon making as well as pour you a few cocktails. Isn't that very nice? Jeff Ricks in Fairfax, Virginia. From David Lombardo in Saratoga Springs, New York. I had a David Aldridge moment at work uh, a few weeks ago when I was remotely covering Governor Cuomo's press conference at Binghamton University. During the governor's introductory mark remarks, he noted they were joined by Harvey Stenger. For a fleeting moment, I thought I know that guy, when in reality, I just feel like I know him through your show. You'll also be happy to note the governor gave a shout out to the School of Pharmacy, but ignored the English department. Unfortunately, the event was not held at the Dr. Bailey Court, and none of the reporters asked about the school's intergalactic search for an athletic director. From Justin Johnson in Arlington, Virginia. For about 10 years now, I've consistently was hitting at about a 300 average on emails, and I've been pretty proud of how frequently I've been read on the show. However, I'm nearing 0 for 10 on emails recently. Did I anger Nigel or Michael? Am I not even getting to the pile? Did a setting get adjusted? And am I going straight to spam? Have I become a terrible emailer? Please at least acknowledge I'm still on the team, even if I become the wander swero of emailers. <laughs> this is dated April 25th, so I saved it, Justin. I saved it. From Carson Dockery in, in Gastonia, North Carolina. I've always been a podcast listener for a couple of years now and a PTI watcher since my preteen years. I thought about writing in, but never felt I had a good enough excuse to bother an old man. Then I had a David Aldridge moment with an inanimate object. I add parenthetically, I don't know that I should go on here. While perusing <laughs> a local Habitat for Humanity restore with a woman to whom I related by birth, I came across a mug or a stein with Harper College emblazoned across the front of the chalice. I know that school, not personally, but still, I'll attach a picture of the vessel. Thanks for making my 30-minute drive to work in Charlotte easy, and don't forget to eat it, Saliza. And it is indeed, it's Harper College. It's got, it's, I've got one of these upstairs myself. Mine is like 60 years old. This may even be a little bit older. Uh, it may be. One other thing from Jack Shepard. Um, hello, old sport. Michael's tea time faux pas brought back memories of one of the most traumatic experiences of my childhood. As a husky nine-year-old, the social scene in third grade was intimidating, to say the least. Despite my trepidation, I secured a coveted invite to the birthday party of the year at St. Paul Lutheran School. Being that I was nine, I didn't run my social calendar and had to rely on my parents to keep my schedule organized. On this particular weekend, my mother was out of town. My father was in charge. Saturday morning rolls around. I'm told to get ready for the birthday party that I was so excited for. We get in the car to drive over. My dad drops me off, wishes me good luck, and drives off. I walk into the courtyard of the home and knock on the door. The mother answers and asks, what am I doing there? <laughs> there are no children, no bounce house, no nothing. Turns out the party was the next weekend. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Jack Shepard. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Come on now. That means everybody just cool out. Will you cool out, everybody? Words I'm sorry seem to lose their meaning And we'll just keep me waiting And come around again And left me without blinking My love story is sinking And I'm here overthinking Of what we could have been
Sometimes there's nothing more I want them for you to be mine. Up the fire. 